life, we, uh, we celebrate open communion, uh, meaning if you love the Lord, if you're a Christian, it doesn't matter if you belong to the church or not, we'd love to have you celebrate with us. Yeah, so I was on vacation last week with my whole family. Four families in one house. Woohoo! How many know that people vacation differently? It, it, it amazed me. Vacation for me, we were up, by the way, we were up at Lake Notley in Blairsville, Georgia, just up the road. I've been going up there for years. For me, vacation is sleeping in a little bit. Come on. Mm. Yeah. Hallelujah. Taking it easy. Sitting back. Relaxing. Not getting in a hurry for anything. I don't want to rush for anything on vacation. Reading a book. I, there were times I'd just be sitting at the lake, looking at the lake. It's just a lake. That's vacation for me, but... And how many are with me on that? How many that's kind of the way you like to, to do it? Okay. Now, my son, my son Chuck, he hits the ground running. He don't want to sit still at all. He's grown, by the way, if you didn't. Okay. He's an adult. He hits the ground running, and he wants to see what he can see and do what he can do. I mean, as soon as he gets up, he's, he's fishing, or he's, his truck's pulling away, going somewhere. I mean, it, how many are like that on vacation? You want to see what you can see. You want to do what you can do. You don't want to miss anything. Yeah, it's okay. That's vacation. We're different, aren't we? It's amazing how different we are, even in our own families. I mean, four families together, we, we, we went in together and, and, and rented this house, and it's, it amazed me how different, even in that little group, 14 people, how different we like to vacation. Now start thinking about how different it would be in this room, or how different it would be in our community. Then I started thinking about this political thing, and how different we all think even in the body of Christ and how divided we are. And then I started thinking about the prayer of Jesus, the longest prayer in the New Testament in John 17 where he was asking God over and over, God, please make us one, make the church one as we are one. Do you know what the purpose of that prayer was for? You know why he, Jesus was saying, Lord, make the future church one as we are one. What was the goal? What was the purpose? So the world will know that Jesus is who he says he is. If the world were to see us united in spirit, they would come to Christ. But they see us so divided. Something hit me. The Holy Spirit hit me this, this, this last service. Uh, something just blew my mind as I was talking. Do you know that we don't have to agree politically to be united in Christ? They were.
were a lot more loud than y'all. Did you, do, do y'all, do you understand we can be united in spirit and, and be a Democrat or Republican, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Do you know that? Come on. And that is what we have been called to do. And that's why we sing songs of worship. That's why we put the words up on the screen. Why? Because it brings unity. We're singing the same thing at the same time together. That is why we celebrate communion together. Because we do it as one. As the body of Christ. And do you understand? Psalm 133 says that's where God commands his blessing is where we are unified. When we stand in unity, when we are willing to put the the other stuff aside, come on, folks, when we're willing to say, you know what, I I know that they believe differently than I do when it comes to these other things. We've got to get past that, folks. We've got to, especially as the body of Christ in here, we've got to put that junk aside and come together under the blood-stained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I'm standing with you as the church. We've got to be unified if we expect there to be revival. Revival is more important than politics. Seeing people get saved and baptized and changed forever is more important than me making a point about Hillary or Donald. That's so important. If we want to see revival come to this church, We've got to be in unity spiritually. And it sure would help if we would quit putting the ugly things on Facebook about the other party, about the other belief. Let me say it one more time. I think it would be real helpful for our unity if we would stop putting the ugliness out on social media and put things that would lift each other up, encourage each other in the Lord. I'll move on. The whole point of this is communion is part of that unifying thing that God has given us. Luke chapter 22, verse 14 says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment In the kingdom of God. There's a few key takeaways here that I want to give. There's a lot of new folks here. This is what I teach every time. If you're having flashbacks, it is. It's the same thing because it's important that we get this. And if you're new, you'll hear it for the first time. Number one, Jesus was looking forward to this meal. He said, I eagerly desire to eat this Passover. This was a big deal to Jesus and it needs to be a big deal to us. It's important. Number two, the Passover is an annual celebration for the Jews commemorating God's rescue of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. And all that is is a picture, a foreshadowing so many thousands of years before of what Jesus would do on the cross. God commanded Moses to tell the children of Israel to slay a lamb and to put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel would what? 
Passover. And when we accept and put the blood of Christ on the doorpost to our life, death passes over us and we are brought into new life through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And number three, the disciples knew something big was happening, something big was coming. Because Jesus said, I'll I'll, I'll not do this again until the kingdom of God comes. They knew he would never miss this meal. So they knew between that moment and the next year, something was going to happen that was major. And it did that week. So with all of that in mind, let's move forward with this very sacred act. Verse 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink it again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the broken bread represents the broken body of Jesus on the cross. Look at the board. Jesus was saying, I will be broken so that you can be made whole. Come on, somebody praise God for that today. So if you will, peel off that top layer. They're kind of tricky sometimes. There's a top layer to this. If you still don't have one, raise your hand. Anybody? Peel off that top layer and take the bread. Don't eat it yet. We're going to pray over that right now. Father God, Thank you for sending your only son, Jesus, to be broken for us. To be broken so that we could experience healing, physically, emotionally, spiritually healing. We thank you, Lord, for the broken body of Jesus Christ. If you would, just take that and snap it in half, the broken body of Christ, take and eat. Verse 20, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant or the new testament in my blood, which is poured out for you. See, the old covenant or the old testament was 613 rules, laws, based on a sacrificial system where they would sacrifice bulls and goats and calves. And all of that, listen, this is important, all that would do is push sin forward. It never took sin away. It just kept pushing it forward, forward, forward in time. But it never took sin away. But the new covenant is written in the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't just push that sin forward. Jesus takes that sin away forever, forever. Hebrews 9.12 says, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all. Say that with me. Once for all, by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Verse 15 says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator. You don't understand what that means? The go-between, the buffer, the lawyer of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first 
covenant, all of those sins that were pushed forward and every sin that has been committed since has been taken through, if you accept Christ, has been forgiven because he was willing to hang between heaven and earth and die on that cross, go to the grave and be raised again and shed that blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus did it once for all. Come on, somebody give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. So the juice, the juice represents the blood of the new covenant in Jesus. If you would, peel that next layer back. Hold that. We're going to pray over the cup. Oh, Father, thank you. Come on, help me. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for being willing, Lord, to lay down your life, to shed your blood, to defeat death, hell, and the grave once for all. That's what we're remembering. That's what we are celebrating through this communion. And we receive that healing. We receive that forgiveness. We receive the cup in Jesus' name. Take the cup, the blood of Christ shed for us.